Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Saturday's good. Saturday's good. I can spend a week in 1955. I can hang out. You can show me around. Marty, that is completely out of the question. You must not leave this house. You must not see anybody or talk to anybody. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Do you understand? Yeah, sure. Okay. Marty, have you interacted with anybody else today besides me? I'm... Yeah, well, I might have sort of bumped into my parents. Great Scott! Let me see that photograph again of your brother. Uh... Just as I thought. This proves my theory. Look at your brother. His head's gone. It's like, it's like it's been erased. Erased from existence. Michael, it's me, your father, dad, the real one. It's come to my attention that you were looking for mother and I. Your brother gave me your phone number, but I'm just not very good at confrontation. So I thought it would be best if I put down my thoughts in a letter. Son, in case I don't have the guts to tell you in person, I was the delivery man who gave you that letter. I got the idea from Vito Fonzarelli, Fonzie's dad. He put the same trick on dumb old Arthur. <laughs> and you probably didn't even know it was me behind the mask, you dumb son of a bitch. Anyway, stop trying to contact your mother, that saint, and me, okay? It's not gonna happen. If maybe, if you were like a cool guy in a leather jacket who rode motorcycles and fixed cars and could start a jukebox up by punching it, maybe then i take a moment to spend some time with you, okay? And I know what you're up to, okay? You wasted an entire month watching a silly movie about a boy who goes back in time and meets his parents. My God, if I met you in high school and saw what you turned into, I would never have had children in the first place. Sincerely, your father, Dad. March Who Gives a Shit 2021. I'm gonna bring it to him now. Wait a second, Doc. Are you telling me that it's day 25? Marchie McFly, Marchie McFly. Marchie McFly is Marchie McFly. Marchie McFly is Marchie McFly.
day 25. For the 25th day in a row, I am here talking back to the future because for the 25th day in a row, I've watched Back to the Future, your favorite movie of all time. The movie clocks in at about two hours. Well, with credits and everything, it's like an hour and 50 minutes um, of pure, unadulterated excitement. But you know when they shoot a movie, there's always more than what you see on film. Sometimes a movie is put together and then trimmed down and cut down and things are removed, things are added, maybe things are reshot. A lot of that has to do uh, with the job of the editor. The editor will come in and and kind of put together all the shots that were created uh, based on script and storyboard. For Back to the Future, that film was edited by Harry Karamidas, I think I said that right, and Arthur Schmidt. Harry Katamidas seems to still be with us, uh, is a film editor who has been working for years. He did The Sandlot 2. He did Back to the Future 2 and 3. He's been around. I'm going to go back. Early thing he's worked on that you will know is Dracula's Dog. What the hell is that? Massacre at Central High. Mansion of the Doomed. I must see all these movies. Um, let's see. What's the first thing that he did? Oh, my God. He did The Jerk 2, a TV movie. Oh, who would have heard of that? Children of the Corn, where he first met Malachi and said, you should be in Back to the Future. You can be the guy that uh, that George um, has to push right before he kisses Lorraine. He's done other movies, but Back to the Future seemed to be the big ones. Back to the Future 2, Back to the Future 3. The Stallone Judge Dredd, Man of the House. Isn't that like with Sinbad and Phil Hartman? He did the third Beethoven. Okay, so the guy's done Back to the Future uh, and other things. But really, his claim to fame is Back to the Future. Arthur Schmidt, the other editor for the film, he, uh, let's see, he looks like he's done more. Oh, my goodness, he did Jaws 2. Holy God. Um, But he did do Back to the Future. Ruthless People. Uh, the Coal Miner's Daughter, that's a big one. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, so Semeckis obviously likes him. The Rocketeer, Back to the Future 2, 3, Death Becomes, or Last of the Mohicans. The Second Adams Family, Forrest Gump. Okay, yeah, he's here for Zemeckis. The Birdcage, Contact. Um, Primary Colors, I heard of that Castaway, yep. It, the Chum Scrubber, I don't want to know. And oh, the he did The Cursed of the Black Pearl. Is that the first Pirates of the Caribbean? I think it is. Um, and he is, yeah, as I said, is Arthur Schmidt, but basically those are the two editors of the movie. Those are the people who put together, you know, the first cut, the second cut, everything of the movie, at least as far as my understanding is. So they'll be the ones who will decide we don't, let's use this shot instead of this shot, or maybe the director will have some pers- some say in things. But the, the, the main point of everything I'm trying to get to is. A lot of the times, these guys will take something that's been worked on, something that's been shot, snip it, and throw it away. Literally throw it on the cutting room floor. And some of those things will never be seen again. Those are considered erased from existence. But luckily, some of the time, some of these scenes seem to make it far enough that they 
almost make it into the movie and then get cut right before. Some of these things are saved. Back in the 80s, who knows what they were saving them for? Nowadays, you know, oh, well, there's a special, maybe there'll be a special edition or a DVD or something you could stream. DVD. Even I'm, I'm aging myself with that. Um, but luckily, it all started, I think, in the first uh, DVD version that we got of Back to the Future, where I was able to see some of these deleted scenes. I think on the later versions of the DVDs, we've even seen more things, uh, more scenes, more little um, featurettes. And thankfully, for some reason, they're getting away with it. People are putting all these things on YouTube so that people like me can watch them and talk about them to people like you. So, for today, day 25 of Marchie McFly, I thought it would be fun to revisit some of these scenes. Maybe there's some out there that I've never seen before. In fact, I watched one today that I know I hadn't seen until bef- until today. Uh, so close your eyes and imagine you're if you're running or driving, do not close your eyes. I apologize. Um, but if you're home, sitting on your beanbag, drinking a fresca, close your eyes. And um, through the um, magic of podcasting, try to visualize these deleted scenes that I'm going to be playing the audio for you. Or just go to YouTube. That, that'll work, too. This has got to be a dream. Well, excuse me. Pardon, pardon me. Could you pinch me? I beg your pardon. You know, pinch me, pinch me. Shame on you. Yeah, that'll do. Thanks a lot. This is definitely not a dream. So that first one was when Marty first showed up at Hill Valley in the downtown area. And remember, he looks at the paper. He's like, this has got to be a dream. And then he goes in, runs into Lou's Cafe. In this version, he looks at the paper. He's like, it's got to be a dream. And this old woman comes up. And, you know, he's thinking, pinch me. That'll wake me up. That whole kind of, you know, cliche, that trope of pinch me to wake me up. And she sees him as a pervert. So she slaps him across the face. And then a cop shows up, and it's the same cop we see at the end um, with Doc, who's like, evening, Dr. Brown. Uh, it's that same cop. And Marty kind of does this weird thing. He takes the newspaper that he's holding, and he just kind of thrusts it into the cop, like, hey, how you doing? You can have this. And then he walks off. So it's a little weird. Um, that, that, that part was a little weird, like the way he did that to the cop. Uh, but it was there was some comedic value to it. The woman slapping her across the face is like, oh, okay, that'll do. This is definitely not a dream. But it's it's easily you know nothing. I don't think there's going to be much or of anything that I, I'll be like, oh, too bad that wasn't in there. We'll see. I know it. I know it. I know it. So these are all my personal belongings, huh? Yep. What's this thing? It's a hairdryer. A hairdryer? But don't they have towels in the future? Look at these underpants. What's this? Suddenly the future's looking a whole lot better. So this scene, I actually remember seeing part of this uh, back in the Secrets of the Back to the Future trilogy hosted by Kirk Cameron um, because someone pointed out 
they 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 had fake letters. There's no way these were real. They're like someone wrote quote unquote wrote a letter to Kirk Cameron saying, Dear Back to the Future, when Marty is the spaceman um scaring George, he has a modern um hairdryer in his belt loop, kind of like a gun. And it was never explained or shown where that came from. Well, this scene um, it starts off with Doc. He's like, I knew it. I knew it. The car is parked in the garage. Then then it lost its sound. I don't know if that was the YouTube video or if that was just the, the footage they had. So I trimmed it down a little bit, but he's kind of looking at the car a little bit. Then he goes and he opens up a suitcase on the car, the suitcase that he was bringing with him back in the original 1985. And inside it, he sees the hairdryer and he's like, what is this? And he's holding it like a gun. That's where he's like, Jesus, they weren't even towels back then. Uh, then he, we don't see the underwear. This is when Marty's kind of setting up the video camera. And he probably walked over and was like, wow, a, a portable television studio. Um, but the last thing he sees, he takes out a Playboy magazine. He's like, oh, suddenly it's looking a lot brighter. I don't mind seeing the hairdryer. That would have been fun to see. I'm glad they took out the part with the... Um, with the Playboy, I don't want to. It is a little crass, you know. And I'm I don't, I'm not trying to sound like some some old fogey, but I don't want to think of him as some horny old dude uh, who brought a Playboy, who was planning to bring a Playboy with him to the future. Uh, so I'm glad, I'm glad they cut that scene out. Again, you know, nothing besides the hairdryer, uh, nothing really necessary there. Whoa. Really clean this place up. Looks brand new. Now remember, according to my theory, you interfered with your parents' first meeting. If they don't meet, they won't fall in love, they won't get married, and they won't have kids. That's why your older brother's disappearing from that photograph. Your sister will follow, and unless you repair the damage, you'll be next. This sounds pretty heavy. Well, it has nothing to do with it. Hey, Doc. Doc, there she is. Ah, right there, second row. Oh, yeah. I see the resemblance. Holy shit. She's cheating. Well, she's, she's my mom. It's not an F anyway. Which one's your pop? That's him. I love how this was edited for the deleted scene. It actually showed... Um, two parts of the movie that stayed in the final cut, you know, Marty and Doc walking up to the school, even though I was like, wait, is this a different version of that? I don't think so. Everything sounded the same. This, the audio was a little weird. And then in the theatrical cut, the final cut, it goes right to which one's your pop. But in this original version or the deleted scene, the original idea was he goes and he finds Lorraine inside her classroom first. Uh, and... Doc's like, oh, I see the resemblance. And we see Lorraine kind of looking over at a at a girl next to her, cheating off of her. And that's where Marty's like, oh my God, that's my that's my mom. She's cheating. And then the the audio is a little lost, but it shows her leaving the classroom, probably walking over to her locker. Uh, and she says, I got an F anyway. And then it cut to which one's your pop? I look like we see um Doc looking at her walking away. Then he comes, walks back around, puts his hands on his hips and goes right up to Marty and says, which one's your pop? It, it seamlessly showed um, where it ended up. 
which I thought was really cool. I like the scene. I like seeing it. But looking back, thinking about it now, I'm I'm thinking again, maybe they show enough of Lorraine. They show that she was boy crazy. They show that she was a little had a bit of a rebellious streak in her. Um, and then she wasn't, you know, you know, when Marty thought she was born a nun, um, that she actually was a kid. Maybe they didn't have to show this as much. Now, maybe this was filmed really late at night and they were really tired and they took a lot of takes. I don't know. But the shot or the scene of him and Doc seeing um, Lorraine cheating while it was removed from the movie, uh, it did give us one of the greatest outtakes uh, ever. This and this isn't even an outtake. It's not like it's a blooper. It's really just like it seems like Doc and Marty, uh, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd and Robert Zemeckis just all kind of fooling around one night. And I love that they kept this footage. So they're in the high school. Michael J. Fox comes around the corner. He's in a white tank top. He's got his hair in a net. He's walking like he's like in a gang or a tough guy. He's smoking a cigarette. Doc has his jacket thrown over his shoulder. He's drinking from a bubbler. You can actually hear him gurgle at one point. Hey, puto. And this is where he looks in and sees Lorraine. There she is, man. There's a bitch. Son of a bitch, she cheating, man! Hey, bitch! No homeboy for her tonight, man. I feel like if this was done today, people would be offended by that. Uh, but I love, what I love about it is he's giggling through it. Like, he's laughing, and he's just completely being, like, basically the most un-Michael J. Fox character you've ever seen. Uh, and it was just... I, I, I laugh every time I see that scene when he's like, the bitch is cheating, and he's, he starts giggling himself. It's like he's almost like doing cheech. Uh, I, I love that. Um, yeah, but that definitely is uh, no reason for that to be a movie. I don't even know why they shot it. It's just they must have been having so much fun. Now, the next one I want to show you, we were talking about the hairdryer before um, that Marty used when he was Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan scaring George and telling him he's going to melt his brain. That scene is really quick, you know, and part of the joke is we see um, I'm Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan, but the real joke is the next day when George fills Marty in on what um, this alien said to him when he said he's going to melt my brain. That really is kind of the the punchline that makes uh, makes it funny, makes it work. But originally... That scene in in George's house, when Marty broke into his house, let's think about that for a second, uh, that scene was actually a lot longer. It starts off pretty similar, um, but I think we see the outside of, of George's house, which I don't think we see. No, we and it seems like it shows the magazine a little more like at the beginning. Um, and then, of course, Marty takes the Edward Von Halen cassette and plays it for George. Who are you? My name is Darth Vader. Now remember that voice. That voice you hear. I am an extraterrestrial from the planet Vulcan. That's Michael J. Fox, but with some effects on it. Mom! 
Dad! Silence! My heat ray will vaporize you if you do not obey me. Here okay, now. okay, I surrender. Took out the hairdryer. You, George McFly, have created a rift in the space-time continuum. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean it. Sorry doesn't cut it, George. The Supreme Klingon hereby commands you to take the female unit known as Baines Lorraine to the place called Hill Valley High School exactly four Earth cycles from now. That's this Saturday night, George. You mean... you want me to take Lorraine to the dance? Affirmative. I... I don't know if I can do that. That part was in the movie. Okay, all right, I'll do it. I'll but take none of this other stuff was. Dance, just please. Now close your eyes and see me no more. Okay. So this is where it gets a little weird. Marty climbs off the bed, and I'm like, oh, we're actually watching him leave the house. Then Marty goes and gets a bottle of chloroform, pours it onto a rag, and proceeds to chloroform George so that he'll pass out. He looks back at George, and George is like sleeping up against the wall. We see him actually crawl out of the window, crawl out of, on the roof, and jump down into the car where Doc is waiting for him. How'd it go? Great. By that chloroform that we put him out. Hope I didn't know to do it. Marty! 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 Hey, George, buddy, you weren't at school. What have you been doing all day? I overslept. So the joke there is he overslept because Marty chloroformed him a little too much. So that gives that joke a little, a, mo- a different reason. Like it gives it a, a whole different setup. But I mean, it's, Marty chloroforming, like these are little things that were like, do we really need to see him do that to go that far? Um, you know, and the over explaining of everything. It was way better, you know, where they say less is more because then we get, um, did he even say melt the brain? I'm not even sure if he did. But we get that joke, and that joke sounds way funnier because we didn't see it. We didn't see any of it. We just know that, that Marty dressed up in the radiation suit and scared him. Um, but again, just the fact that Doc said, okay, let's go to this teenager's house. Here's the chloroform because Doc had chloroform. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to say anything. This is just... it. it I'm glad they edited it out because in my world, in Back to the Future, none of that happened. And Doc, not only does he have a play, he doesn't have a Playboy, he doesn't own chloroform. He has no need for it. Okay, can we, can we, we can agree on that, right? This next deleted scene is another scene that, um, it's in the movie. It's just, it got trimmed down and uh, part of it was left on the cutter room floor. You know, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. All right, tell you what, George. Give me a shot. Right here, give me your best no, shot. No, I'm right not going to hit you on, in the Come on, George, come on, right uh, here. Come on. 
There, that was good. She'll believe that. I know she will. I'm fine. Tell you what, George. So, of course, that's the scene where Marty is going over the plan uh, with George. And it ends with him saying, you know, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. Um, And then I think the very next scene, I think, is Marty and Doc getting everything set up downtown. So Marty tells uh, George, you know, punch me. He wants to kind of go over it a little more, rehearse. And George is just completely like, I can't do that. And he goes, there, that was good enough. He barely touched him. He, like, tapped him. And then Marty's like, I'll tell you what. And it faded away. So I wonder if there's even more that uh, we just don't get a chance to see. Now, this next scene coming up, I had never seen before until today. I'm almost positive I've never seen this one before. This uh, takes place with um, the moment where the cop sees Doc working on the weather experiment. And the cop's like, you got a permit for that? And Doc's like, sure I do. And my theory was that Doc uh, then bribed the cop to go on. And this deleted scene, one million percent confirms my theory. But then the scene keeps going and it gets a little weird um a little troublesome um why don't we just play it evening dr brown what's with the wire oh just a little weather experiment what you got under here don't don't, don't touch that some new specialized weather sensing equipment you uh, got a permit for that of course I do. So we see Doc, of course, get off the ladder like he normally does. And then we see him take a $50 bill out of his wallet and hand it to the cop. You uh, aren't going to set anything on fire this time, are you, Doc? Seems like this cop has been bought off before by Doc. Hey, kid, you better pick up your mom and get going. Yeah, right. You look a little pale. Are you okay? This is where it starts to get a little weird. I don't know, Doc. I mean, it's just this whole thing with my mother. What, 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 what? I just don't know if I can go through with it. Hitting on her. Nobody said anything about hitting her. You're just going to take a few liberties with her. Then he winks at Marty. That's what I mean. I mean, God, I can't believe I'm I'm actually going to feel up my own mother. You know, this is the kind of thing that could screw me up permanently. I'm so glad they edited this out. Well, what if I go back to the future and I end up being gay? Why shouldn't you be happy? Ah, the 50s. I gotta go pick up my mother. Good. Listen, if things don't work out at the dance tonight and my folks don't get back together, when do you think I'll start to fade out? Beats the shit out of me. See, that right there is another thing that I'm glad they didn't keep it in because it just makes Doc seem a little aloof, like he doesn't care. Um, you know, the, the paying off the, the, the cop, 
not a problem. That's him doing whatever it takes to make sure that Marty gets back to 1985. But that beats the shit out of me. Um, again, just paints Doc in kind of a different, uh, different light. You know, not the guy that that like I you know hugs Marty and says I, I you know I'm really going to miss you. And then when he's in the car with him, you know, driving him home in the in the new future, you know, is like take care you too, you bet. All these nice things. It's just um, another one that you know. I'm glad they edited it out. You know, the Lorraine cheating. They could have left that in. That wouldn't have been that bad. Um, the George punching. Um, you know, the chloroform, I'm glad they edited out the, the, what am I gay? Like, 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 you know, I guess it's the eighties where you got away with stuff like that more. You did it and it seemed a little more innocent, like, oh my goodness, what a horrible insult. But, um, it's just like, that would have been one of those things where you'd see an article now saying back to the future didn't age well. Um, but I'm really glad they decided, you know what? We don't need this in our movie, but he did bribe the cop. And I am uh, happy that my my theory was proven correct. This next scene actually is in the movie. It's George at the dance, realizing what time it is, and he runs out of the dance. Of course, there's no music playing because it's not a finished product. But the extended version shows him actually leaving the, the dance hall and climbing into a phone booth that's right outside the room. quickly makes a phone call. Operator! Operator, can you give me the time? Seems like he was really nervous. He needed to make sure it was actually the time it was. And then we see, I believe it's Courtney Gaines again, Mr. Malachi. Him and a couple guys take a trident and they slide it through the door handles. Those no good guys, they just locked me in. You see... Do you see what happens to slackers, McFly? Strickland shows up. Yes! Yes! Mr. Strickland! And he Mr. just leaves him there. you got to let me out of here! And the scene ends. I don't know how George got out. I don't know if there's a, if I can find a longer version of that. Um, but maybe that gave Biff more time to be a monster? I don't know. Uh, definitely unnecessary. This next one, a little weird because it doesn't actually feature any of the actors in Back to the Future. I went to um, IMDb to find out who the editors were. And so you go to like full cast and crew and I was scrolling down and I noticed there were a lot of people in the movie who were uncredited. And one of them was a man named John McCook who was uncredited as Surgeon. And I said to myself, what? Where in the world was there a scene with a surgeon in it in Back to the Future? So it turns out they filmed an old-fashioned cigarette commercial that where a cigarette was being endorsed by a surgeon. And it was, I guess, for Marty to see how things were different. My assumption is that would have been on TV either at Doc's, but maybe when he was at the Baines house having dinner with Lorraine's family and they're watching The Honeymooners, maybe that commercial came on first. I remember seeing, uh, when I was in college, a black and white cartoon of uh, Fred and Barney, Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble, 
selling cigarettes. Uh, so, I mean, there aren't even cigarette commercials now. But back, you know, in the olden days, not only were there cigarettes, but they had quote-unquote doctors coming on to tell you which cigarettes were healthier uh, and smoother for your lungs, which is ridiculous. Uh, so they obviously shot this entire scene, this entire commercial for Back to the Future, and it was just left on the cutting room floor. And I think the actor even tweeted, like, I was almost in Back to the Future. Um, which, oh yeah, he's so there's a Back to the Future put out a deleted scene, and uh, they tweeted this back in 2018, looks like. And John McCook, the actor, replied, yes, cut from the final film, but something Marty sees on TV. Got a nice note from the production before the film was released to let me know it was on the cutting room floor. Not the first or last time that's happened to me. That's funny. Uh, but, of course, through the magic of uh, the Internet, that scene lives forever on YouTube. After facing the tension of doing three lung operations in a row... I like to relax by lighting up a Sir Randolph. I know its fine tobacco taste will soothe my nerves and improve my circulation. Ah, now that's the taste that relaxes Sir Randolph. So that one is just fun because even though it has really nothing to do with Back to the Future, when I first saw it, I thought, wait, what am I even looking at here? But the fact that they shot that, uh, and it was at one point going to be in the movie, is just funny, and I, I had to include it. That is literally a deleted scene. Like, it's not a cut, it's not a shortened version, it's just something that didn't even exist um, in the story at all. And the last one, the last one I want I want to play for you today is an interesting one because it answers a couple questions. Well, first of all, it answers to me, uh, where the hell did all that peanut brittle come from? You know, I noticed, um, obviously, he's eating peanut, peanut brittle at dinner and Marty shakes him off. No, I don't want any. It always seemed weird. It seemed like it played into the family being like, well, we're not really healthy. We don't really care. Blah, blah, blah. We're not worried about our 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 you know, fitness or what we eat, watching what we eat. We're going to have peanut brittle for dessert. I think it was dessert, that with the cake. And in the background, while Lorraine is, you know, um, bringing the cake in, you see another box of peanut brittle in, in the kitchen. And I was always like, wow, they're just really into peanut brittle. But this deleted scene actually provides the answer, where did this peanut brittle come from? Why is there peanut brittle? It's another example of George kind of being a pushover. Uh, and it, you know, he says a line that really kind of sets things up uh, for, the, for the end of the movie. Um, but I also found this interesting because even though I don't think I've ever seen this uh, footage before, it was familiar to me because full disclosure, full um, confession time, I, I haven't mention this probably because I'm not going to finish it in time. But while I've been watching Back to the Future, the film, every day for the past 25 days, somewhere along the way, I'm not sure exactly when I started, but I started reading 
the Back to the Future novelization. And there's a lot of similarities. Like, I think Marty just made it, or the or the, the, the Libyans just showed up. I mean, I am really behind. Like, I I, I, I want to read in bed. Boom, I, I put the book on. It's on my phone, and I start dozing off. And so I barely ever make it. I haven't even opened it in days. I'm a terrible reader, but I'm going to read the whole thing. Just like I did with Jaws. Now, the difference is Jaws was a book that turned into a movie. Back to the Future was a movie that then they gave, uh, you know, they made a novelization out of. Um, and I, I, I remember buying the actual paperback years ago. And it was very different because it opened up with like... Um, talking about, a, you know, a nuclear bomb and Marty was in school and it, it added all these things that never made it to the final movie. But one of the scenes was um, George being a pushover and um, agreeing to buy peanut brittle. You know, Marty telling him, can't you say no? And him saying, I'm not a fighter. And I think it was peanut brittle in the book. Um, again, <laughs> even though I'm not very far in the book, I'm like 50, 60 pages in. That was... Um, that was, my goodness, weeks ago that I even got to that part. But I am slowly, slowly, slowly um, reading the book. If you want a better um, kind of synopsis of the difference between the book and the movie, I'm going to suggest to you a podcast that I listen to. Uh, it's called I Read Movies. And he, this guy... Uh, Paxton Holly is his name. I follow him on Twitter. I've listened to him on a bunch of different podcasts. And he basically takes um, your favorite movies and finds the novelizations of them and reads them and kind of tells you what the difference is between the movie and the book. The You know, a lot of these times, these books are written with, like, the original script, and they, and they keep in a lot of things that were, um, that were cut out of the movie, or they... They add some fluff. They add some backstory or, or things. You know, they, they take creative license. But um, I definitely suggest you check out that show. Uh, it is a it is a must listen for me. I'm actually I will actually give you a link to the Back to the Future episode if you want to uh, check that out. Um, but let's get back to this final final deleted scene that answers the question: Where did that peanut brittle come from? Did it ever occur to you to say no? I mean, just once, uh, say no. Look, uh, son, I, I know it's hard for you to understand, um, but the fact is, I'm just, I'm not a fighter. <sighs> Try it once, okay? For me. Just say no. N O no. Hey, McFly. My kid here is selling peanut brittle for a team. It's five dollars a box. I put you down for a case, okay? Um. Okay. Great. It's out in the car. I'll go get it. See, honey, I told you. We only have to go to one house. So while that scene does answer the um, age-old peanut brittle mystery, it doesn't do much there. It shows George is a pushover, but we see that already with Biff. It gets him to say the line, I'm just not a fighter, but that's a little on the nose, even, you know, for, even though they're setting up so many things. Um, but the thing I don't like most of all is the, you know, say no, 
And then, boom, a neighbor walks in and is like, hey, I got some peanut butter for you, and he'll buy a case. That felt very sitcom-y to me. Um, and just it, almost like there should be a laugh track there. So I'm glad they edited that out. And um, I think with that, I think I've covered all the deleted scenes, at least all the deleted scenes I could find. Uh, if I find any more, I better do so because I, uh, pretty quickly because I only have so many days left. Can you believe it, folks? This is the last Thursday of Marchy McFly. We've reached the final week. And um, wow, next Thursday at this time will be April 1st. And um, I can pretty much watch whatever I want on TV. I, 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 um, it will feel weird not having, you know, this um, project to work on. It, it felt the same way uh, once Jogus was done. It feels the same way after every movie month is done. Um, the other things I'm doing, the, the Batman and the Superman stuff, those are like, you know, when I feel like doing it once every week, once every couple weeks. Um, but this, these daily projects, um, they're fun as hell. And they let me, you know, try to come up with dumb, creative things. But once they are done, you kind of, you feel it that first day, like, whoa, wait a second. I don't have to do this today. And I'm not, or I don't even get to do this today. I mean, I guess I could do it again. Um, but yeah, wow. But we're not done yet. You, I make it sound like, you know, it's over. I make it sound like this is the last day. It's only the last Thursday. We still have um, a final Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Oh, my friends, we're in the final stretch. I can't believe it. Uh, and I'm glad that you're here with me. And I hope you stay with me for the last week of Margie McFly. So with that, my friends, I think we did it. So you know the drill. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Mentality. The website is fansnotexperts.com slash McFly if you just want to go to the Marchie McFly stuff. But there's all kinds of other stuff there. Right now, it's mostly Marchie McFly, though. The Facebook page is Fans Not Experts. Really, all I do is post the uh, shows there. But if you're on Facebook and you want to like Fans Not Experts and like my posts... Um, you know, that'd be swell. I have a friend in high school, Mike Siska, who's been liking all my posts. I appreciate that, Mike. Thank you. And, um, yeah, that's it. Oh, I guess, you know, I never asked for this, but if you want to go on iTunes or, uh, I guess iTunes is the only place, Apple Podcasts, whatever the hell they call it now. And you feel free to throw me a review if you want. You know, I, I don't ask much, but I'm asking for a review. And that may be the only thing I ask for. Oh my God, it's 10.30 at night. I am tired and I should not have tried to hit that Aaron Neville note, which I didn't really do. And I hope I didn't wake my wife up. I think I've hit it. I've hit the wall. It's time for bed. Friends, I'll talk to you tomorrow. You know what I'll be doing. But until then, here is my theme song. This is my podcast. I made it. Geek Mentality is what I named it, and I think you should listen and subscribe, cause I'm kinda funny and awesome, I think that I'm worth your time, and I'm kinda handsome, my mom says, please listen and please subscribe, at least listen to this.
episode. Fabs not experts. What are you looking at, butthead?